Good morning, folks. Today is Thursday, May 11, 2023. Welcome to episode number 364 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. Over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jesse Johnson, William Welch, Jazzy Jazz, not only IT, Richard Diring, Larry O, Travis W, Marcus Silent, Chris K. Hall, and all of the Simply Cyber community, including you, are going to be tearing through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, we've got you covered in aces or in spades or in diamonds or hearts or whatever you're, you, you choose your uh, suit of fancy, right? Where was I going with that? I got distracted by the suit. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be a great show today, guys. Thursdays are always a lot of fun. Got the live stream later today with InfoSec Pat. Looking forward to t sharing a little bit about that. We are going to have an abbreviated show. I do have an appointment at 9 a.m. that I got a boogie to, so not a lot of messing around. Before we get into it, I do want to throw some love to the show's sponsors who allow us to consume this absolutely uh, consistently and without without any hiccup in operation. Starting with my good friend Brandon Poole over at Panopsi. Panopsi Security does a lot of whoops does a lot of great things, but one thing that they do do really, really well are quantified risk assessment. A quantified risk assessment is a practice, takes a little bit longer to do than a qualified risk assessment, but it's well worth it. Brandon and his team, who are more than qualified for quantified, come in and evaluate your <coughs> your uh, people, your process, your technology of your business, who you're, in, who you're doing business with, so like third-party players, what tech stack you're on, what cloud systems you leverage. Then they look at the threat landscape appealed to your business, to your industry, to the size of your business. And then they put that in a machine, they spin it around and out pops a quantified risk assessment, which provides statistically sound fact-based evidence on what your actual risk exposure is to different scenarios. And then based on that intel, business can actually make an informed decision. Do we like being 85% likely of suffering a ransomware attack in 2023? I don't think we do. Well, let's do something about reducing that statistic. Well, you can do option A, option B, option C. They each cost this amount. They each take this much time. What say you business? And then the business is like, ah, you're the best. All right, so check out quantified risk assessment for Panopsi, links in the description below. Also want to say holla to XM Cyber. Thanks, XM Cyber, for the sponsorship. Organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis, so efficiently reducing risk is an almost impossible task. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. It's a, it's a pretty good report. It's an easy read. A lot of statistical evidence in there. A lot of information. A lot of little factoids you can pull out and use for your own purposes. Whether it's briefing management, doing information security awareness for the masses. Whatever you want, there's something in there for you. Use the links in the description below to XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. Also, much love to Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber, but more about them at the mid-roll. 
Guys, I want to remind you, if each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, what's up in replay. Well, however you want to do it, take a screenshot, half a CPE. Doesn't sound like much, but we are we are small, but we are mighty half CPEs because they stack up. Two and a half a week, 10 a month, 30 a quarter, 120 a year. Come at me, bro. I got more CPEs than you got. Um, I... <laughs> I, I don't know. A rap lyric just didn't come to mind there for a hot second. If you are live, I see 130 of you awesome people. You wonderful, wonderful early morning people for you East Coast folks. You really early morning people, West Coast folks. And the international community coming in from all other time zones all over the place. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are. If you're live, do a team live in chat. Please like Aaron Strong's doing right now. Let us know that you're here. Come in strong. Uh, Bashir, a CPE, Continuing uh, Professional Education. When you get uh, security certifications, they require you to do uh, continuous learning. If you are watching on replay, hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Team Replay are people too, and I love I love engaging with the Team Replay folks. You guys are awesome. Love commentary. Love your thoughts. Quiet reflection in the Team Replay when I go through them. If you're here late and you're listening to me on double time trying to catch up, um, to the live, you are team hybrid. It is rare, but there are uh, a faction of you that are regularly team hybrid. Like JP right now, who's listening to me on double speed, so I'll talk like this and he won't even be able to understand anything. Welcome to the future, JP. All right, and then finally, my absolute favorite, hashtag passive observer. Last one, and then we'll get into the news, y'all. If you are shy, introverted, don't know how to network, no networking's important, you're just new here and you don't know what to say in chat as the chat goes streaming by, Take a minute and say hashtag passive observer. Let us know that you're in chat. Let us know that you're here. I guarantee you taking the first step into professional networking, you will look back and say, I wish I had started it sooner. Believe that. All right, guys. With that, let's get started. Get right into the news and see what's going on. I'll see you. Let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Thursday, May 11th, 2023. The long-term impact of leaked Intel boot guard keys. Earlier this year, the ransomware attack against the PC OEM MSI by the organization Money Message claimed to steal about 1.5 terabytes of data. According to analysis of recently leaked data by the group by the supply chain analyst at Binarly, this includes Intel boot guard private keys on 116 MSI products, as well as image sending keys for 57 products. The leaked keys could allow an attacker to install malware in Eufy firmware, which the keys would make appear as legitimate software. If these keys are out there, they could represent a hard-to-detect attack vector for years to come. Intel says OEMs generate their own boot guard keys, meaning this should only impact MSI hardware specifically. Okay. So that's a development that I had not heard that is uh, reduces the impact. Guys, if you don't understand, like this is a little bit more of a complicated, nuanced uh, story, but this is really bad. This is really bad. Okay. When you look at a motherboard, okay, like this, I'm going to try to do this as um, not not confusing as possible. When you look at a computer, right, there's the oper- there's software, then there's the operating system, and then there's the hardware. The operating system's whole function is to interface between software and hardware, allocate memory, 
get things into the processor. Okay, so on the motherboard, there's the CPU and you know the firmware and the RAM and all this other stuff. And traditionally, when you boot up your computer and you just have the black screen and it's like like some white fonts going on, and then you get the splash page of Windows, okay? The black terminal screen that you're seeing at first, this is your BIOS, your basic input, input basic input operating system or your basic input output system. I figure what the O stands for. It doesn't matter. It's just your BIOS. Your BIOS is what kicks on things and gets the, the master boot record for the operating system loaded up and spinning up your, uh, your windows, right? Okay, so that was traditional. Now, in more modern times, because threat actors do root kits and they get into the, they do wipers and master boot records. Of, one of the advancements we've had from a security perspective is this UEFI, U-E-F-I. And I am by no means an expert on UEFI. But essentially, it's like, a, it's like a, an additional kind of BIOS. And within it is a lot of security stuff. I, I believe like BitLocker and like the keys for decrypting hardware, um, hard drive encryption level stuff is happening in UEFI. UEFI is very, very um, important. And it's, it's like the modern BIOS essentially, okay? So now that we understand what that is, what you need to understand is Intel's boot guard keys, which essentially was protecting the security of that subsystem have been leaked, which means threat actors with the key can now put um, like basically legit malware. It'll, it'll be malware, but it'll look legit. It'll be signed. It'll be good to go. It won't go through any scrutiny. It won't go through any EDR is not existing down in that level of the subsystem. Okay. And you could, you could seriously really uh, drop some serious long-term espionage malware and stuff like that. Now, now, one thing that uh, is important, that, that's a development in the story, is that Intel is saying that this is for MSI systems only. Like, basically, the, um, the key is uniquely generated for each manufacturer, okay? So it's not like Intel, and thank God Intel did this because it, it actually makes a ton of sense, and it would have been lazy. It would have been lazy to just have one key and send it out everywhere, but... Intel has generated individual keys. So MSI systems are basically the ones that are host. And guys, this is, as far as I know, you're not going to be able to like revoke that key and implement a new one for MSI, um, de not developed, but MSI built Intel systems. Do you see what I'm saying? So like all the systems that are already out in the fleet, all the systems that are sitting in a warehouse waiting to be deployed, all the systems that are on the manufacturing line that haven't been updated yet because guys, they're not going to stop all the manufacturing to fix the key. They're just going to keep going and fix it in, in, in flight. So there is a boatload of at risk systems. Now, remember, this doesn't mean that Intel MSI built Intel systems are now like exploited, right? So whoever stole, the, whoever stole these keys, needs to do something with them, right? They need to, to uh, understand how to weaponize them. Then they need to actually find systems and figure out how to weaponize the, the, uh, against the systems. So this is a little bit of a slow play. But if, if this was a nation state threat actor, right? Like if this was the United States, I'm going to be very equitable here. If it was the United States, if it was China, if it was Russia, and like that's kind of like who 
the obvious people would be in Israel. Like these are the obvious ones of who would be able to do this and realize the value of stealing these keys in, on top of it. It'll take a little while for them to take exactly uh, take to, to take the value of it. But guys, people aren't like it's already hard to get lifecycle replacement on laptops right now. Like if you work in a business and you do lifecycle replacement or Carl. Carl loses his laptop because he left it in an Uber in Abu Dhabi, right? Ordering a new one, it's not trivial, right? Like there's backlog backlogs of getting new new hardware and stuff like that. So businesses, and, and, and that's on top of the businesses not wanting to just spend the money because of a, a problem that occurred outside their purview. So businesses with these MSI built Intel systems, they're not going anywhere. They're going to keep using them. So this this has potential for some massive issues. Um, stay tuned for this one, okay, guys? Stay tuned for this one. I don't know. Uh, one other thing. I don't. I mean, MSI is like a household name, so I don't know how um, widespread MSI systems are. It does say this came after a ransomware gang tracked the money. So Jesus. All right. So it sounds like maybe we may have. We may be lucky. We may be lucky. I don't think we're going to be lucky, but we may be lucky. Um, a ransomware gang stole it, so they got the keys through Data Xfil. They may not even know what they're doing. Ransomware gangs are in the business of committing ransomware, not in the business of like low-level subsystem espionage across, you know, potential fleet of systems. Now they they may be able to deploy ransomware uh, into the UFI, but but but. but I, I don't think that's going to happen. But if I was a nation state threat actor, if I had the power of the United States or China, I certainly would go look for this ransomware gang and say, listen, we're going to do two things here. One, you're going to give me those keys. And two, I'm not going to make any problems for you. Right. And, and, or we'll give you money for it. Right. Since you're a ransomware threat actor and you're into money. Anyways, I'll go back and look at chat. This is definitely not my strongest area, uh, like uh, subsystems, firmware, UFI. It's not my it's not my strength, but um, I'll go back and look. I know a lot of you have uh, in, inputs and intel on this, but this is not good. Okay, that's that's the TLDR. <laughs> this isn't good. SOS shrugs at Windows security features. The Atlas OS project claims to provide a streamlined version of Windows better optimized for PC gamers. Essentially, the OS seeks to do this by disabling what it considers unnecessary Windows services and features that eat away at computing resources to better serve higher frame rates. Developers speaking to Motherboard said as much, saying Atlas OS leans toward performance and usability compared to security. This includes disabling Windows Defender and virtualization-based security. If Atlas OS developers say users can still choose to enable these features at any time and plans to add further customization for users that still want to enable security features by default. If I had Anton Dobson, you are so dumb, sound effect on my soundboard right now, it used to be on there and it, it got corrupted and I, when I rebuilt it, I didn't get it. That is where this sound effect belongs. Okay, so I'm going to do it manually. Bear with me. You are so dumb. For real. You are so dumb. Like, this is the dumbest thing I have read in a while. And I don't even know. Thank you, Justin Gold. I don't know if this is designed to literally fire me up. Like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so 
in the grand scheme of things, you've got to remember, think of a straight line, okay? This is how I like to illustrate this to my, my students, okay? Think of a straight line. On this end is usability and features and function. On this end is security, right? If you move the slider all the way to the security, the system is unusable. If you move the system all the, uh, the, the line all the way to usable, the system is not secure. The balance, the art, the reason we have a job, the reason we conflict with the business is because we're constantly battling over this freaking slider, right? And sometimes, sometimes we get a win with federated authentication where it's actually more secure, but it's more convenient for the end user. It's very rare that we get that. Usually it's a trade-off. And this is why we always talk about spending political capital to move that stupid slider towards more secure while the uh, end user loses functionality and usability. That's also why vendors, I keep pointing the wrong hand. That's why vendors spend money on features and usability because customers like that. And the security people are like, bro, you're moving the slider further away from security. You're killing me. Okay, now back to this story. Windows like in order to improve frame rates, uh, are you like improve frame rates? That's what that's like, that's what you're willing to sacrifice your security. It disables the EDR solution on the freaking box people. Like it literally nerfs the, a primary security function on a machine. And you know, gamers are clicking on stuff and installing mods and going into like, you know, oh, get this crack, or get this sweet patch, get this skin, get this free drop, get this loot. Are you kidding me, dude? Are you kidding me? This is the dumbest idea. Microsoft, I expect, like, hold on. Is this from Microsoft? This can't possibly be from Microsoft. Yeah, this, there's no way. Okay, so this, this is, it's called Atlas OS. But I think, I think this actually sits on top of Microsoft Windows. It has to, because there is no way in any feasible scenario in 2023, Microsoft would roll out an operating system that is an intentionally insecure and hot mess on fire. Okay, where's my little dumpster fire uh, emote? I don't get to use it often, but this one is a total tire fire trash heap. Are you kidding me with this? And you know what the crappy thing is? Kids, young adults, people who don't know any better are like, oh, yeah, I got to get that fast 120 FPS. Got to get it. Got to get that kill faster on Call of Duty. It's like, bro, you are going to be so owned. Like, enjoy having all your data compromised. Enjoy being ransomware. Enjoy being keylogged. Enjoy having your account. Yeah, you know what? Build up your World of Warcraft account because as soon as it gets to a high enough level, the keylogger that's been sitting on your machine for a year is going to swipe your account away from you and sell it on the dark web. Get out of here with this noise. This is so annoying, man. For real. Ugh. It's disgusting. I don't even want to hear about Atlas OS anymore. Cisco warns of new phishing as a service tool. A new report from Cisco's Talos Group outlines details of this new service called Greatness. It was first spotted in the wild back in mid-2022, with virus total samples showing spikes in December and March. Its operators generally use it against corporate entities for financial gain, spoofing Microsoft 365 login pages to gain credentials for further network access. Greatness provides its clients with a full phishing kit, including attachments and link builders, pre-built login pages, bots for chat apps, and MFA circumvention. U.S. businesses accounted for roughly half of Greatness victims. Attackers mainly targeted manufacturing, healthcare, and technology sectors with these attacks. 
Yeah, I won't spend a terrible amount of time on this one, guys. Like, there is phishing uh, testing as a service, right? Like, Microsoft, um, I forget what it's called now, but in their O365 instance, they have, like, a email attack simulation tool. Um, like, mo like, no before. Like, a lot of the bigger information security awareness companies have phishing kits and instead of sucking up your uh credentials they just send you a pop-up that says you just fell for a fish so of course um threat actors are going to have phishing services except instead of a pop-up it just delivers your um your creds to the victim and obviously guys we live in a <laughs> as much as like the 80s were about like the global uh economy and global supply chain um 2020s in my opinion it's like it's like the global supply chain except it's global cloud-based right whatever as a service that's a pretty standard model people offer services that way you can get <clears throat> quicker to market you don't have to learn skills you don't have to invest in infrastructure you just purchase the platform as a service which is what this is and it offers all sorts of great features right now what does this mean for us? Well, this A, this sucks because this is going to increase the amount of phishing going out, which is already a major problem in our industry and has been forever. But it's going to allow less skilled threat actors. It's going to allow people who don't know what they're doing to just click, 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 click because it's a service, right? It's literally designed to make it easy, right? And all you do is pay a monthly fee. I mean, how many people like streaming services kind of kicked it off with people having like regular recurring monthly subscription services, but now like as a services all over the place. So, <clears throat> you know, whatever. I'm not surprised about this. Like there's nothing to do here. You just need to know that you've got to be vigilant about educating your end users about phishing landing pages, about lookalike pages, about too good to be true offers, all, all the same stuff. Apple loses copyright appeal against iOS. Apple filed a copyright infringement case against the company Corellium back in 2019. Corellium makes a product that involves a virtual iPhone marketed as a security and mobile testbed tool. In its filings, Apple alleged the tool would primarily be used for jailbreaking. In December 2020, a judge dismissed the lawsuit, but Apple appealed the following August. Now, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit sided with Corellium on copyright grounds, saying it fell under fair use doctrine for iOS specifically. It argued that its virtualization software constituted as transformative. The court did instruct a lower court to reconsider claims related to contributory infringement, as well as use of Apple's copyrighted icons and wallpapers. And now a word from... Yeah, hey, I mean, that's a... This is interesting. First of all, <clears throat> um, very interesting that uh, <clears throat> this case went the way it did. Second of all, you know... It just goes to show you even the fat cats at Apple who have like probably teams of lawyers and infinite money still can't win a case in some instances. Um, Corellium, I appreciate what they're doing. This is a philosophical um, discussion. Uh, you can be on one side or the other and it doesn't really, you know. Uh, so Corellium <clears throat> has some type of virtual iPhone and it allows you to do security research on it. I'm, I'm sure you could use it for testing other things. The the nuance of the judge's decision is that when they virtualize the iPhone, it's a transformative. So it's not, they're not copywriting the iPhone. It's not like Corellium puts iOS on a phone that looks like an iPhone and they're trying to sell it as a competing iPhone product, right? That's not what they're doing. <clears throat> um, third thing here, and this is where the philosophical bit comes in and I, I push back, right? So 
Apple's basically being pissy because they're saying that, you know, by doing this, people can use it to jailbreak, which is their argument for it being maliciously used. But I would argue that <clears throat> that's this is the argument between closed source, cl closed source software and open source software or closed encryption algorithms versus open publicly debated encryption algorithms. I would think that Apple's product would be more secure and better built if there are independent researchers looking for bugs and security holes and gaps and jailbreak type things in it, right? So I, I don't really appreciate, uh, I, I know this opinion has evolved over the years with me. It's more of a libertarian opinion, I suppose. I don't appreciate Apple um, being like, we don't want them there because they're going to allow people to jailbreak the device. And we, we want to protect our customers and only allow them to install the apps that we're allowed to install. Like the, even as I'm saying it, this is coming to mind. Apple, Apple controls the Apple ecosystem. Apple controls the apps that can go on an iPhone. Apple takes a little taste, a little taste of each transaction that happens on the Apple ecosystem, right? This is why Fortnite is not on Apple phones or Apple devices anymore because Epic uh, Epic Games, the, the, the group that makes Fortnite, was making billions of dollars and Apple was like, ooh, we get a little taste of that. And Fortnite was like, for what? You do nothing. And they're like, you're in our store. And they're like, fine, we're not in your store anymore. And they're like, uh, oh man, oh man. So I think you could uh, you could quickly... Um, draw the conclusion that maybe Apple doesn't want jailbreaking because when you jailbreak a phone, you can install apps from outside the Apple store, which does typically lead to security concerns and malware being installed. So um, they can easily rest on that uh, argument. But my, my thought is it's straight cash, homie. Okay, I hate to be cynical. Our sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection. It's about foresight agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap toward a more resilient future. Head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All right, it's the mid-roll. Got to pour myself a new cup of coffee here, guys. Every day at the mid-roll, I like to take a minute and just thank you all for being here. Sorry, minor sorry for my Atlas OS uh, meltdown. That really pissed me off. Sorry. Sorry, baby, base case and uh, Kennedy. It just really upset me. 243 of you today, if some of you, all of you, if you personally, I'm looking at you, could hit the like button right now. It'd go a long way to helping other cyber people who don't know about Simply Cyber discover Simply Cyber. They could be on YouTube right now searching, how do I break into cybersecurity? Not knowing that right now this live stream is going on. So hit that like button, push it up into their algorithm, and let YouTube tell them about the great, great stuff we're doing over here. Uh, thank you again to the stream sponsors, Panopsi, XM Cyber, and Barricade Cyber Solutions. I teased Barricade a little while ago, but let me give you a little bit more information. There is an emote for squad members all up in here on Barric for Barricade, so feel free to touch that. 
Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses, just like Intel and MSI, and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Thank you, Eric and team. Eric's calendar is right here on Barricade Cyber. Um, jump on there and giddy up on it. All right, really quickly too, I want to remind you, if you don't get the newsletter, you're missing out. I will say the subs, I'm going to probably stop saying it on every show because the amount of like subscriptions don't really move. So I feel like I'm wasting your time by saying this. But if you're interested in getting three um, or just a bite... Oh, barricades. Guys, okay, so barricade cyber, dropping more love. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, get get your, if you didn't have a squad membership a minute ago, chances are you're about to have one. Jenny Buckley, Keith Clayton, Kyle Moraine, Miss Mary. Giddy up. Giddy up, Kenyon. Giddy up, Reese. All right, guys. Um... The Simply Cyber newsletter, if, sign up if you want it. It's basically emails direct from me. I write them myself. It's good. All right. All right. Uh, so the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Um, this is a ongoing networking effort that is absolutely awesome. Oh, my God, my chat. This is, so, guys, Just a Bite currently has the baton. All right, we'll talk about that in a second, Jazzy Jazz. Just a Bite has the baton. Just a Bite, please tag someone in chat after this uh, avalanche of subs comes through. Thank you very much. Dave Learn Cyber, CyberSite Canada. All right, Jesse Johnson has been nominated. Jesse Johnson's got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Guys, go on LinkedIn, search for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Jesse Johnson, post your cyber story on LinkedIn. Add the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Tag me if you would so I can uh, uh, amplify it for reach. Share your cyber story. Everybody in chat right now, the 230 of you in chat, all of you who just got new squad memberships, all of you who are longtime Simply Cyber Community members, all of you who are here for the first time, go to LinkedIn, find this hashtag, and connect with the people in it. You are building an important, valuable network that costs nothing other than a few minutes of your time. And believe me, it will have long-term impact. I know we love instant gratification, but a, a, a professional network you need to invest in, nurture, care and feed, and I guarantee you it will deliver impact and value later on in life. Believe me. Thank you, Aaron Strong. All right, let's keep her up. Oh, hold on, we got the meme of the week here. Meme of the week, Dan Reardon every week drops a meme of the week. This week is Jerry Swanson. I regret nothing. The end. Thank you very much, Haircut Fish. Join us every Thursday for the meme of the week. This is Dan Reardon, a.k.a. the Haircut Fish in chat. His, um, his contribution to the channel every single Thursday. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, Dan. Let's get back to the news. National Gallery of Canada hit with ransomware. The country's National Art Museum first discovered a ransomware attack against its systems on April 23rd. Despite hiring a cybersecurity company for an investigation and working with the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity, 
Over the last two weeks, its IT systems remain offline. It remains open to the public, although many employees continue to work remotely. So far, no sign of customer data loss or impact on payment systems, although the attackers exfiltrated some operational data. It's unclear what group orchestrated the attack. However, groups in general seem to be increasingly targeting arts organizations. The Metropolitan Opera in New York experienced a cyber attack last December during their busy holiday season, while numerous arts organizations felt the impact of a July 2022 attack against the digital marketing firm Wordfly. Interesting. Interesting. So I wouldn't really think like when I think of, you know, art uh, businesses, I would think that they would be like less impacted by ransomware because like the National Gallery of Canada in Ottawa has remained open. People can go and stand in front of a Rembrandt or a Vermeer. And I don't even know if those are there. I just wanted to say those funny words. Um, and and ransomware doesn't impact that. Now, obviously, back end operations um logistics uh, import export um you know donor donations email like all that stuff does have to happen there is a business money there is a business going on in any business but this isn't like netflix getting ransomware or a manufacturer getting ransomware where like everything comes to a halt they could still take money they could still show the art off so hopefully um they are less impacted it, it's just wild that there's an uptick in activity in art uh, industry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that. But again, you also, the final thing I'll say about this is you got to remember too, people, a lot of times, um, oh, by the way, I'm going to take a hot take guess and say that this is Lockbit. Okay. So Mark Tape, it's Lockbit, 8.30, May 11th. They don't, it says no ransomware uh, group has taken credit yet. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess Lockbit. All right, so here's the deal. A lot of ransomware, sometimes threat actors just cast a wide net. It's like crab fishing, right? Like you cast a net and if you pull something up, cool. And if you don't, you throw another net. You're not like targeting a specific business. You're not like we're going after Chevron today, right? You're just like, I sent out 10,000 emails and I got you know 200 hits and I compromised 18 machines. Like, let's see what these 18 machines are. Oh, like, you know, they seem to be decent sized businesses. Fine, detonate the malware. Uh, print the shirts. Let's go. So they they could have just been a spurious hit, right? Like a, a a random strike. So there's that. But anyways, I'm calling I'm calling Lockbit. Ransomware tactics evolve as ransomware becomes a common occurrence in cybersecurity. The response is becoming standardized. Recent figures from Tenable showed this having an impact on payouts. 2022 saw ransomware payouts falling 38% on the year. However, a piece from CSO Online aggregated the ways that threat actors continue to professionalize their operations as a result. These organizations increasingly set hard KPIs and targets to achieve against victims, operating on standard business models. Double extortion schemes became a norm for ransomware as a way to increase leverage. Now these groups have turned to so-called triple extortion methods, which adds on a good old DDoS attack on top of encrypting and exfiltrating data. This adds a further disruption to business operations to help ensure payment. Another tactic includes operators reaching out directly to a victim's customers or stakeholders. All right. I mean, we've seen some of this before. Um, dude, ransomware is big business. The fact that it, it almost makes me cringe a little bit or shudder a little bit thinking about being a criminal and then going in for like your monthly KPI metrics meeting on like a Friday at three o'clock 
and like you haven't been hitting victims hard enough or they haven't been paying ransom and like your mid-level management boss is like jerry these these are rookie numbers my friend we we need we need more money we we need you to compromise more victims what are you doing to develop your malware um software development skills jerry do we need to send you to like uh an inverted sans class for writing uh exploits you know oh hey i'm gonna put you on a pip i'm gonna put you on a personal improvement plan you better get your crap right over the next three months we're gonna have to let you go there's other criminals knocking on the door right now who are eager to get in here don't blow this opportunity <laughs> what i mean what are we doing here i get it they're making huge money they need to they need to um you know, like, it's like any business, guys. You need to know how are you doing? How are you trending? What's working? What's not, right? So it's just funny. Like, can you imagine, like, people on LinkedIn, like, just criminals who had, like, shadowy profile photos, like, coming on with, like, an actual, like, real profile photo and, like, ready to work. And, like, the experience is, like, Lockbit Ransomware Affiliate. <laughs> like, mid-level management at Conti Ransomware. Okay, I I'm being playfully humorous. Um, the triple extortion, like, so, okay, so really quick, because they said double extortion, triple extortion, just to kind of qualify that, you might get asked this in a job interview. Ransomware, the way that ransomware threat actors make cash, sheesh, is uh, simple. They encrypt your files and then sell you the key. That was the traditional model. Then people stopped paying the ransom and started rebuilding. So they started deleting your backups, and then it became a little bit more painful, and people have gotten better at that. So then they're like, Oh, let's make a copy of all your data before we delete it. Now we'll sell you the key and we'll sell you your data back or we'll sell your data to someone else. We're getting paid, my friend. So that's two. Now they're talking about triple extortion where they do a distributed denial of service attack on your business and you have to pay to have the, um, the denial of service attack taken off. That's super lame. That's almost like a bolted on. I feel like that's like one of those a la carte items. Like when you're trying to uh, book like a kid's birthday party and like, they're like, it's going to be $400. You're like, all right. And they're like, can I interest you in like, you know, whatever, like something that totally doesn't make sense. Like, can I interest you in like 30 tokens for the claw machine? And you're like, uh, and they're like, or, or they're like, oh, can I interest you in like vouchers for ice cream shop down the street? It's only another hundred dollars. You're like, what? Like, get out of here, okay? So, I, you know, whatever. Denial is, a denial of service attack on a business that's already down is kind of like, you know, basically slapping, uh, like slapping, like writing on somebody who's passed out drunk, like writing on their face when they already have, you know, a huge, um, you know, elongated shape drawn on their forehead, right? Like, like what, what, what else, what else are you getting out of that, right? It's annoying at best, okay? I am a little all over the place. Please, um, I digress. Questionable WhatsApp mic behavior. Earlier this month, the Indian tech site Punika Web reported WhatsApp users on Android saw microphone permissions trigger on devices even when the app wasn't being used. This did not appear model specific, appearing on both Samsung and Pixel devices. Twitter engineer Fawad Dabiri raised more alarm bells on the issue, subsequently showing similar findings from the Android privacy dashboard. WhatsApp's Twitter account said it contacted Dabiri. The company said it believes the issue is with Android's privacy dashboard misattributing information and said it's asked Google to further investigate. 
Yeah, actually, okay, so two things really quickly before this story. One, Gary Sturgiotis, thank you for giving an actual reasonable uh, <laughs> use case while I'm all over the board about claw machines and ice cream cones. Like like an airplane company um, asking you if you want to pay like extra money to get on the plane sooner. Like, you're not getting to your destination faster. The plane's not taking off any sooner. Like, just, like, it's annoying. Okay, and then um, Ms. Julian asked about Aspen right now. Uh, I don't know about Aspen. I hadn't heard that. You said it's been down for two weeks. If I had, you know, $100 in my pocket and I had to bet it on something, I would bet ransomware uh, and feel pretty good about it. Now, for this story, WhatsApp. Um, okay, so this obviously seems to affect Android only based on the, the headline. Um, WhatsApp has been mired in controversy, right? Uh, I think it was like... I think Facebook owns it now, but maybe it was like Chinese born originally. Some people have talked about it being like a little bit of espionage ish. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, it is meta owned at this point. Um, I don't use it. Obviously, they're doing all sorts of data harvesting from it. You, you do imagine um, the fact that the microphone would be on constantly. This is consistent with every story everybody's ever had of like, oh, I was talking about LaCroix drink. And then all of a sudden LaCroix ads started popping up in my feed or like, I'm um, like, I'm a, um, a man, I cannot get pregnant. But, you know, I was at a baby shower the other day with my wife and now I'm getting like diaper ads in my, in my um, feed. Like, how does it know? It must be listening, right? So maybe there is some truth to this particular uh, claim. The fact that this isn't more like this should be quite serious because that that is a gross violation of uh, privacy. And like, if it's being done intentionally and it's being basically uh, weaponized for straight, straight cash, homie. then that this is, this is pretty gross guys. Like this would, this would be like front page news like 10 years ago. Like, Oh, like, like basically you're wearing a surveillance device or you're carrying a surveillance device. I mean, we're already doing that since it tracks your GPS everywhere, but you wouldn't think that all your conversations are recorded as well. So I would look into this a little bit more. I am not an Android user. I use the Apple phone because of the Apple ecosystem and I don't have to worry about it, even though I railed against it earlier. Uh, so anyways, just interesting. Um, I'm going to send this to my sister-in-law, who's definitely a WhatsApp user, uh, definitely on Android. Celebrities pay ransoms, just like us. Imagine that. On a talk show, Smashing Pumpkins frontman Billy Corgan disclosed that an unauthorized third party gained access to multiple songs off the group's upcoming album. The threat actor threatened to leak the songs six months ahead of the album's planned release date. Corgan agreed to pay an unknown ransom to prevent the leak. The FBI investigated the case, which Corgan claims involved content from other artists as well. In lighter news of cybersecurity meeting the music world, reverse engineer Nicholas Stark informed Bleeping Computer he discovered the controller firmware for Kingston NVMe SSDs containing strings with the lyrics to Coldplay's 2002 hit, The Scientist. No word from Kingston as to why, but we can probably suspect board developers. Um, okay. Okay, so a couple things. This did, ha I forget what story this is, but this happened a while ago. I remember um, some some band got compromised and they were going to leak it. And I, I feel like the, um, the band just ended up publishing it publicly anyways, right? I, I know this happened with the Sony movie, The Interview. Um, they just released it ahead of schedule. 
But there was definitely a band that did this as well. Maybe Radiohead back in the day. But anyways, you know, I'll tell you what, if you're a threat actor, pretty savvy mood. Um, Billy Corgan, from everything that I can tell, including that um, podcast, 60 Songs That Define the 90s, when they covered Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan is a, um, and I don't know him, so this is just what I've heard. He is a type A super perfectionist control freak um like so much to the point that on like smashing pumpkin siamese dream album he he played the guitar and the drums and backup guitar like he played like three of the four instruments on the on the album recording because he felt that the drummer and the guitarist could not perform at a level that was what he required for the album <laughs> you know what i mean so um, the fact that they got in and they were going to leak this song, obviously he probably would have paid a uh, serious amount of money to ensure that the project went off on his terms exactly how he wanted it to do. Guys, uh, celebrities, I mean, typically like musicians, artists, entertainers, movie stars, movie studios, they typically have deep pockets. Like look at any Marvel movies budget. Look at Avatar's budget. Look at all these budgets. Right. And they make money off of box office sales and, you know, streaming deals and all this other crap. So if you could get in there, I mean, that's a pretty high value uh, asset to compromise or uh, entity to compromise and a asset to get hold of to ransom back to the individual. Again, I, I feel like this is a Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, but on the regular, I I do like Criminal School 101 on like how to do it right or how like how to not get caught. But it just, you know, individuals can be targeted too. It's not all about businesses if the individual has money, right? Like, so Billy Corgan, aka Smashing Pumpkins, like they might be one or two people, but they are a business, right? So there you go. All right. That's going to do it for today's stream. It's 8.48. If you were here just for the news, bear with me for just a hot minute. I want to tell you one thing. All right. I want to let everybody know that later today, even though I got a bunch going on today, I do have Pat Gorman coming on the channel. InfoSec Pat. If you know him, um, you know he's a great guy. I'm super excited. If you're... An uh, offensive security professional, if you're an aspiring information security professional here, let me show you really quickly. Pat is the director of offensive security and he's a YouTube content creator. And he's a really nice guy too. So we're gonna go through, we're gonna be talking about uh, offensive security. We're gonna be talking about his journey. We're gonna be talking about YouTube content creation. Um, I gotta tell you guys, I've, even though I do mostly cybersecurity content, I have been itching. I have been wanting to do more like how to c create content and making YouTube videos. Like I have a couple, like here's my studio, here's a starter kit. Like I have a couple of those. I might even just create a whole new channel on, on YouTube on content creation because I really enjoy it and I've really learned a lot over the last three years. But InfoSec Pat has 30,000 subscribers. Congratulations, InfoSec Pat. And, um, He's got great content, guys, so definitely worth checking out and um, come by later today, like I said, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time and uh, ask your questions, hang out, have a good time. I, I, I didn't I didn't do the live episode last week because it was my son's birthday, so we're getting back in the saddle and we're getting after it. That's going to do it for today's threat briefing. 
Thank you all. Hey, shout out and thanks to Barricade Cyber for the 50 squad drop. Uh, members galore. We got 650 members now in the Simply Cyber squad community. <laughs> oh my God. Here we go. Here we go. Really quick uh, uh, bonus meme Thursday. This coming in from uh, Joel Belton. Here's my LinkedIn profile for... <laughs> Here's my LinkedIn profile for... Because uh, I didn't meet my KPI numbers for the Medusa ransomware gang. So... Um, I am proficient in Rust and Go, though, and I can write speedy, speedy decryptors. Call me. Thanks, Joel Belton, for the uh, the good laugh. That was good. All right. All right. I, I do have to go, though. Uh, thanks, everybody, so much. Be good, and we will see you later today at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This was the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm Jerry. Until next time, stay secure.